Hi, I'm David Legere of Woodhall Press, and you're tuned into Publish This Over Lunch. Today, we're talking with writer Carol, and how do I pronounce your last name? Yeah, it's a great question. You know what's so funny? So I pronounce it Vanden Henda, which is how my husband does. This is how I came upon this long Dutch last name. Um, obviously, I was not born a Vanden Henda. But the funny thing is, even within our own family, people pronounce it different ways. My um, father-in-law, who's from Holland, pronounces it the proper Dutch way, which I cannot do justice to. My brother-in-law, with the same last name, pronounces it Vanden Hendy. So you know what? I'm okay however you want to pronounce it. <laughs> I, you know, I get the same thing with my last name. Uh, it's a combination of, uh, it's Legere, but I often get Legere, Legree, Legere. I get like all different variations. But all right, here we are today with uh, Carol Vandenhend. Vandenhend? I close. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> uh, Carol has a background in uh, digital technology, strategy, and marketing, having worked in both uh, the United States and China. Her debut novel, Goodbye Orchid, was listed as an anticipated fall read by BuzzFeed, uh, Parade, and Travel and Leisure. And it's also been named as the 2020 American Fiction Award winner for Urban Fiction and 2020 Pinnacle Achievement Award winner for Multicultural Fiction. Uh, the a book released October 1st. So for more information, uh, visit Carol at Carol, V-A-N-D-E-N-H-E-N-D-E. Dot com. And I'll, I'll say that again at the end for anybody that missed it. So, uh, so thank you again for being here today. Uh, start us off. Uh, tell us something about uh, 2020 in the literary world that you found inspiring. I've been asking everybody this question because I'm just captivated how much inspiration people are having, you know, in 2020, in spite of everything going on, there's, you know, positives to be found. So what's something you found incredibly inspiring? It's such a good point, and thank you for asking about inspiration, because for sure, I live for that. And um, 2020's been a rough year. I mean, I'd say overall, and I know you've been in publishing and um, for years, overall, literature does a lot of good in the world, right? It shines lights on topics that people might not know that much about. It opens hearts and changes minds. It's really incredible. And I think in 2020, what's been especially inspiring is the way in which um, the writer's community is really banded together to lift each other up. And I'll give two specific examples, because clearly that's not a unique insight <laughs> that your other guests haven't pointed out as well. But yeah. two that I've particularly really loved um, is one, Caroline Levitt and Jenna Blum coming together to create A Mighty Blaze to really help writers whose um, book tours had been canceled and find a way to replace them with a virtual book tour. And because we believe in the work, right? It's not just about um, trying to get attention on writers, but really because the work is meaningful. And then the second is I'm part of a Facebook group called the 2020 Debuts, in which debut authors come together. And there are themes for each day of the week. We um, lift each other up. We have Therapy Thursdays. Today is Therapy Thursday. So if there's anything you want to rant or rave about and you're a debut author, you should come over to 2020 Debuts and go ahead and rant and rave. <laughs> and, you know, that's one of the, the best answers I've, I've had to this. You know, a lot of times, you know, I hear varied answers, but th these are like, that's like an actionable answer, uh, which I, I'm always a huge fan of those. And, you know, even what we're doing right now, Instagram Live, this came about as a result of, of 2020, this literary discussion we're having even right now. So it's that community and it's finding actionable items. So tell us, uh, I want to hear about Goodbye Orchid. Um, what's it about? Why write it? Tell us a little bit more about it. 
I can't wait to tell you about Goodbye Orchid. So I'll tell you um, in two ways. One, I'll share a bit about the story, but then I'd love to share a little bit about the story behind the story because there's oftentimes, you know, insight and inspiration there as well. And so Goodbye Orchid is about, um, you know, on the surface, it's about a very successful 32-year-old um, entrepreneur, Phoenix Walker. And in some ways, he reminds me of you because you are a renaissance man in which, you know, you can teach, you can, you know, run your own publishing firm. You do so many things and wear so many hats and are such an entrepreneur as well. And so Phoenix reminds me of you. He's incredibly successful. He has, He's at the top of his game when we meet him in chapter one and has so much going for him, some of which has been fueled by a streak of perfectionism, which you'll see is going to trip him up <laughs> because he has fallen for beautiful half Asian Orchid Page. The two of them have worked together fallen madly in love and they're at the precipice of turning a professional relationship into something more. When she leaves on a six week business trip, she goes overseas to China. And when, while she's on the flight, um, disaster strikes Phoenix. And um, I won't say a lot about what specifically happens. This is when the story behind the story is going to become important. But the um, fact that this disaster happens when Phoenix wakes up after a really traumatic accident, wakes up in the hospital, um, you know, finding out what ha what's happened, longing for Orchid, he remembers that she has had trauma in her past, in her childhood, and feels incredibly protective of her as a result. And so therefore, um, here he is, you know, forever changed, dealing with a lot himself. He is faced with the hardest decision of his life. To love Orchid, might he need to leave her? And that's really the central tension of the story. Um, which readers will need to read to find out more. And the reason I bring up the story behind the story is because um, this story really is inspired by combat wounded veterans. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And so even though I, the story is not <clears throat> about combat wounded veterans, really the inspiration comes from the journey that these men and women go through who you know, go to the most dangerous places in the world to fight for our freedom come back incredibly, you know, at times incredibly injured and the strength and resilience that they exhibit to get back to good is such a source of inspiration. And I think to shine a light both on that journey that they're able to, you know, go through. And also, um, you know, this book actually, Goodbye Orchid, a portion of the profits goes towards raising money for USA Cares, which helps post 9-11 veterans and their families, mm -hmm. as well as Heather Abbott Foundation. And that's really important to me because I think, um, you know, in addition to shining a light on this incredible journey, it's also about giving back and, and helping. And so um, I set the characters and the book in Manhattan and in New Jersey in modern day. You know, it's a contemporary fiction novel, um, but it really, you know, so it's, you know, it's not about military people, but it's definitely inspired by them. Yeah. And, and I'm, Everything you said caught me, but particularly the donating uh, a, a percent of your proceeds to charity. I actually was saying that to a number of uh, my authors recently that it's the idea of, of going beyond the book. Is you have to say to yourself, what's the book about? Why are you writing in the first place? Is it to help people? Is it to educate people? And then if you're willing to kind of put your money where your mouth is, right? Like are, you know, if a publisher is willing to match you even, and both of you agree, we'll give up, let's say, you know, whatever, 2% of your net profit each. 
and then you're able to donate 4% of the net profits or more toward a, a, a charity that benefits from this book, I think it's a great way to take books and make them almost uh, an experience, uh, experiential in a way too, because you know that you're experiencing something positive, not only when you buy this book internally, but now you're actually making an active part in the community as well uh, to, to help people. So I really yeah. like that you've done that. I think, I think more authors should donate, um, even if it's just nominal, just a, a way to give back. It's really nice. <laughs> Uh, my hat's off to you on this. That's a really great thing that you've done. And, <laughs> and of course, hearing about the book is fascinating too. I think uh, I have not, admittedly, I have not read this yet. I have it on my list of books to read. And just the sales pitch that you've given me just now makes me want to read it even more. Um, so anybody listening, uh, check out Goodbye Orchid. So, you know, one of the things that I remember you had mentioned about Goodbye Orchid was that you foster the sense of uh, empathy and optimism. Those are two, two words that you've used to describe this, uh, your writing. I wanna know why, I agree 100% that those are crucial. And I teach a whole part of my uh, class on empathy, but why is it important for you that this book fosters empathy and optimism? Mm -hmm. I love that question. And you know, those are different concepts. And I'd say right now, you, you started off the interview asking about 2020 in a time that um, the world is going through a lot of challenge and we're all personally faced with lots of challenges. I think optimism certainly is, you know, warranted and helpful in a time like that. And people are welcoming of the optimism for sure. Um, the empathy, you know, that really comes from a, a deep rooted belief I have in the interconnectivity of all of us. You know, on the one hand, you and I have actually, you know, met through social media and um, here we are meeting on Instagram Live, but I feel connected to you. I feel like, you know, the work you do and the way in which you help authors, you know, um, creates this connection. And I think all of us can find those connections when we have a chance to walk in someone else's shoes, when we have a chance to, you know, hear how other people are thinking that both sometimes I think there's a range of um, the way that can come about. It can either be a, a place of recognizing an experience that we thought was only our own is actually shared and that can be a wonderfully warming experience. It also can open eyes to new ways to look at things. And I've heard both um, readers as they're reading Goodbye Orchid and giving me input are actually giving me examples of both. I've had readers who've been through medical issues, really serious medical mm -hmm. issues, tell me that hearing, you know, reading about what Phoenix has been through and how he, you know, really rises to the occasion, the resilience with which he faces his um, situation gives mm -hmm. them optimism about their own experience which is incredibly warming to hear. Um, and then on the flip side, I've also heard people say that they have new insight that they hadn't had before in um, you know, how they might be inadvertently judging others and that um, you know, there, you know, there isn't a need to do that. And, I, and that also is incredibly, makes me feel so happy because as you pointed out before, I haven't, you know, I've written Goodbye Orchid because I believe that there's, um, you know, truth on the pages and a message to be out there. And that's why I want the profits to really help people, because I do think this idea of empathy and optimism is is good for the world. Yeah, what you say kind of reminds me of a quote, uh, if, if you've ever read uh, Ender's Game. I, yeah, it's, it's a great book, but it, there's a quote in this, uh, I'm paraphrasing. 
that's along the lines of the moment you truly understand your enemy is the moment uh, you love them. Um, and it's this idea, kind of a, a morbid sense of empathy, but it's this idea that we're all connected. And the moment you really understand somebody, even if it's your enemy, you realize in that moment that you love them. You still have to destroy them, at least in that case, but you do so sorrowfully and you know them inside and out. So this idea of empathy that, yeah, we're all connected uh, and, and literature is a great way of doing that, right? I tell people all the time, I go, if, if you've never experienced being a 56-year-old woman living in, uh, I don't know, Nebraska, a book's a great way to start, right? Like, I, I, you know, like it puts you in the shoes of people that you would never ordinarily be in their shoes and you're able, and there's that expression, right? Walk a, a mile in somebody else's shoes and see how you feel. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think we'd all be a lot nicer if empathy was fostered. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you know about this brain research, Dave? Have you seen this before where they've researched um, what lights up in an author's brain when they're writing a story? versus what lights up in a reader's brain when they're reading that same story. And it's the exact same places. So talk huh. about, it's not just empathy like a conceptual thing, it's at a biological level that the data is there, that it's huh. the closest thing we can get to a brain to brain connection is through literature. I love that. Yeah, I, I was talking to somebody uh, years ago who he had worked on uh, nuclear bombs. I mean, this guy was just absolutely brilliant. He was, he was very old when I talked to him. This was in California. And I remember I had this moment with him. Uh, first off, he offered me Red Bull like it was a new concoction. He's like, ah, I got something for you. He's like, would you like to try a Red Bull? And I go, <laughs> I go all right. So he opens the can of Red Bull and we're sitting there. It's an old guy. And, and I remember the things that he had said about connectivity still stick with me to this day that we as a society have a need to connect and that's why cell phones have caught on the way that they have and why the yeah. neural links that we're talking about and everything's ultimately going to be going internal because as a society we're going toward god right our one mind we want to be united and i just thought i mean at the time he was saying this to me i was young and most of it was going over my head but uh, years later i reflect on that red bull conversation with this brilliant man and i think how he projected so much of what's going on even today right this connectivity as a writer even, like and as a reader. Mm. It's very fascinating. All right, so I wanna know more about uh, your, this powerhouse of public speaking. You, you caught my eye and hence we're talking today. You've given presentations for uh, Writer's Digest, uh, Women Who Write, Authorpreneur, many others. Is there a secret? Like, do you have a secret behind this? Because I know many writers, they never succeed where you have. Like they, they write a great book, but they just don't get the momentum. They don't ever take off. So what's your secret, if there is one? <laughs> well, I mean, I love it. And, you know, I, I love public speaking. So I'll, I'll definitely speak to that, you know, how the public speaking came about. And then maybe share a few things that could be helpful for writers as they're thinking about marketing their works. You know, so um, the public speaking really called, <laughs> was called, you know, I, I'd say that writers actually drew me into public speaking. And so this is how it happened. I'm going to take you back to <clears throat> maybe seven years ago, first writers meeting I, I walked into, although I've been writing my whole life, I really was doing a lot on my own and not um, being part of the writers community. So I joined a writers group as I was writing Goodbye Orchid. And um, my first writers meeting I stepped into I introduced myself. I said, I'm Carol Vandenhenda. I work um, in strategy and marketing for Mars, which is famous for chocolate. And there was this gasp that arose in the room. And I thought, 
wow, these are my people. They like chocolate. But what I found out was although they do like chocolate, they especially liked my marketing and strategy background. And so mm. the speaking initially came about and speaking at writers conferences because writers were clamoring to understand the you know, wisdom that I could help impart from having run brands for more than 15 years and all types mm -hmm. of famous, delicious brands in the US and in China. Um, and so I distilled down that expertise into things that are really relevant and understandable for writers. Mm -hmm. So I speak about mm -hmm. personal brand and why is it important for an author to think about their brand, which is really their promise in the world, as simple as that. I speak about um, the visual identity, the ways in which to translate that into book cover design. And um, I've taken that even further in Goodbye Orchid and put design elements inside the book, which we can talk about if you want. And then I speak about marketing plans, but not in the way that you um, oftentimes hear at marketing conferences where people just jump right into the tactics. I really like to step back and think about the strategy and the goals first and your why. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. And the mindset, because sometimes, you know, you talk about writers who've written, you know, beautiful works and sometimes they're not able to find the traction. There can be a bit of mindset or self-sabotage that can hold people back as well. One thing I've heard as a common theme is writers say, I don't really like self-promotion. It feels icky. It's commercial. And I'm like, yeah, I feel the same way. But it's a matter of changing your um, frame of reference. So for me, for instance, um, I write because I want to inspire hope and empathy for people and planet. Actually, that's my overall why, not just writing. It um, comes through in other ways in the work that I do. And so if I'm inspired to do that, the, when I'm um, helping to get the word out about Goodbye Orchid or other work, it's not about trying to shine a spotlight on me. It's not about self-promotion. It's actually about trying to give back in the world, trying to um, provide a benefit to readers and trying to do, you know, good, honestly. And if the, so if the spotlight is on that message, the spotlight is on the ultimate goal, the spotlight is on the reader, then it doesn't have to feel like icky self-promotion. And therefore, um, that can help writers a lot. Just that shift in the why they're doing it can help them overcome some internal barriers that might be holding them back from success. Oh, fascinating. And I could do a, a whole session with you just on my mindset's one of my, my favorite uh, topics over the, like the last year, uh, particularly because the, how we frame things in our minds will ultimately determine our success or failure, right? Yeah. It's an idea of, there's a, I love this study actually. Uh, there's a group of kids that were tested and you could see how their mindset take that, took them into growth opportunities in the future. The students that were A students and then given a negative grade, all of a sudden thought themselves failures. I'm going to be a failure for life. I'm no longer good at math. I can't write. But the students that had a growth mindset, if they got a low grade, they just said, oh, wow, I learned how not to do this going forward. So I'm gonna go ahead and figure out what didn't work here and make some changes. And wow, this is exciting. I'm happy to learn more about this topic. And those that were excited to learn and kept that growth mindset that you mentioned, uh, were able to carry farther in life, right? Especially during a pandemic in 2020, how much has mindset uh, taken us off, uh, down, right, or high? Like I know a lot of people right now with a negative mindset who are struggling. And then I know the growth mindset of people are like, oh, I'm training for a, a marathon that may or may not, you know, like, it's just like, 
oh, all right, you're just like training for a marathon. And so it's a mindset. I, I'm so happy you bring that up. It's crucial as a writer. Very good. And that's, yeah. That's why it's so great that you started the conversation about inspiration. Because yeah. I think that um, looking for that silver lining in what seems like a difficult time is, has to do with mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. So um, your journey as a writer, how much of this has been shaped by your experiences? I know some writers who truly write. You know, there's the, the uh, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, which is, the, you know, the writing advice, write what you know, write what you don't know. And then everybody kind of like comes around in different ways. How have you as a writer written from your own experiences? Yeah. And I think both of those things are true. Um, that doesn't have to be a paradox, you know, that mm -hmm. I, I do find mm -hmm. oftentimes readers assume that fiction writers are writing purely their experiences. And that's not the case for me. I've mm -hmm. certainly um, drawn upon aspects of my experiences. I'll give you a couple of few, uh, specific examples. And I've also drawn certainly upon um, the emotions that I've experienced. I think that's the way to get authenticity on the page. Um, but then also, I mean, part of what makes writing so enjoyable for me is being able to explore really imaginative worlds. Um, I've actually read some of your short stories, and I think, you know, you certainly haven't been to hell, but you did an awesome <laughs> job depicting it. Oh my gosh, I, you know, those images I cannot get out of my head. I think I've sand in my lungs right at this moment, Dave. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah, you're the first person who's ever actually uh, looked up some of my writing before. That's funny. It uh. is impressive. I'm sure you're an amazing professor. Um, so, I mean, it's such an interesting question because I do think readers might you know, sometimes assume that things are all come from our pure experience and there's no way they can. I mean, I think, um, so where the places are that I did draw upon my own experience, you know, and places that readers who know me actually uh, oftentimes point out is one, I'm a mom of twins. And in the book, mm -hmm. Phoenix Walker has a twin brother, Caleb, who plays a very important role in the character arc. And actually Phoenix, besides Phoenix, Caleb has his own growth arc in the story. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so Mom of Twins, I definitely pulled upon. And then, um, you know, for your podcast listeners, they won't know, but I am, and especially from my last name, Vandenhenda, they won't know, but I'm Asian <laughs> by descent. My ancestry is Asian and <laughs> Chinese. And so my character, Orchid Page, is half Asian. She's half mm -hmm. Chinese, like my children. My children are half Chinese. And so I pull upon that as well. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm happy you touched on that. It's this idea that we, we do draw upon our own experiences, but then as a fiction writer, right, we create, we create worlds. And in some ways, you know, I always go back and forth. I love nonfiction. I do. But I, at heart, I'm a fiction writer. I love world building. It's me. It's, uh, well, as you saw, one of the pieces I wrote, yeah. the, one, the piece that she was referencing is a guy uh, who's hitchhiking through purgatory. Uh, and it was a lot of fun to write. Dark, morbid, but fun. <laughs> So I'm never going to look at cigarette lighters the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So uh, three things I ask everybody to, to at the end of the, each episode. One, uh, coffee or tea? I just down an entire cup of coffee in preparation for this interview. So for sure, <laughs> if I need a pick me up, it's coffee. And if I need maybe, um, you know, a quiet moment, then it's tea. So it depends. But more often coffee. I seem okay. to need to pick me up lately, given that I work full time, mom of twins, writing, speaking, <laughs> and also we haven't even gotten to my climate reality leader and all that. But yeah, I've got I've got a lot going on. 
I've been finding a correlation between coffee and fiction writers and um, tea and some nonfiction writers. I don't know, but like, so I, I go back and forth. I'm like a, a day walker. I like a little coffee, I like a little tea, but I do mostly coffee. All right, so um, what's one quote, motto, song? What gets you up out of bed every single day and motivated to be a wonderful writer? <laughs> so, you know, um, I somebody gave, told me this quote about five years ago when I was, I spent some time in Dublin, Ireland. And I was working with Antashka and their environmental education unit. And I was actually a little bit in this moment filled with despair that, you know, the environment was not going the way it should be. There was a lot of work to be done. The answers weren't clear. And she said to me, be the change you want to see. And actually that quote really sticks with me. And I think, um, you know, we talked about a lot of the different aspects of my life and I have a lot going on but it's not a haphazard. It's because mm -hmm. these are the areas that mean a lot to me. They're close to my heart. I think they're important in the world. And yeah. so wow. who better than to just take it on yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and even back to your earlier comment on people feeling maybe a little weird with self-promotion. I tell people, uh, if you're not your biggest fan, then who's going to be? You know, like if you're not willing to promote yourself, don't wait on anybody else. Like you have to be your own biggest supporter. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Um, yeah. Depending on how you do it. Sometimes it could be a little aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, lastly, um, any final, anything that you want the viewers or listeners to know right now? Any final lingering advice, tip? What do you got? <laughs> so I do find, you know, I work full time as a strategist. <laughs> That's my role. And I do find this idea of being clear about your personal why to be really important that, you know, um, and so for me, I, I articulated that it's to inspire hope and empathy for people and planet. And I think for people to have that clarity mm -hmm. of why they are doing what they do or why they, you know, it sounds like such a heady concept, but why are we here on earth? Why do we exist? Gives you some clarity on, therefore, what should you be doing? And what do you say no to? Because strategy is all about choice. You know, it's, it's not just saying yes to everything, but actually choosing what to say no to. I think that clarity is very helpful. And especially as people think about, you know, how they market their work, you know, choosing um, what's actually going to be consistent with what they're trying to achieve overall, I find really helpful. And then um, actually to slip in one more quote, <laughs> I find this one inspiring too. Um, you know, uh, do you know the quote where they say, people tend to underestimate how much they can accomplish in a year or they overestimate how much they can accomplish in a year, but they underestimate how much they can accomplish in 10 years. You're breaking up on me a little bit. Just oh, so I hear this final quote. No, it's okay. <laughs> what was that last quote that you said? I want to, so I can remember it. The quote is people tend to overestimate how much they can accomplish in a year, but they underestimate how much they can accomplish in 10 years. Oh, yeah. So I All think right. set our goals high because we can do a lot in the next decade. So set All our right. goals high. <laughs> oh, it's breaking up right at the end of the right at the end of the interview. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's good. We made most of the interview before we got technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, thank you for being a guest today. And um I, I want everybody to please, please, please 
buy Goodbye Orchid and go to the author's website to see more. It's again, Carol, V-A-N-D-E-N-H-E-N-D-E.com. Be sure to go there uh, and check it out. And if you have any questions, email me, david at woodhallpress.com. Uh, Carol, thank you again. I've absolutely loved it. Thanks so much. Take care. See ya.